morning, everybody. Go ahead and make your way to your seat if you wouldn't mind. My name's Ron, and I want to welcome everybody who's in the sanctuary and in the loft and the patio and also online. If you're tuning in, we want to welcome you as well. We're doing things a little different today. We're making a change in that we're having announcements at the beginning of the service rather than in the middle. But because we all love change so much, it's like, yeah, this is, this is good. Right. Human nature. We love change. So you ready for the announcements? It's always the best part of the service. Remember that. So, uh, all right. We have Easter coming up. So next Sunday, Easter is going to be here on campus. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to set up in the upper parking lot, which is up the, up the road this direction. And we're going to have the, a, a stage built, live worship. We're going to stream it as well. Um, we're going to set up 600 chairs. We would encourage you, please invite family, invite friends, neighbors, anybody you can think of. In fact, we have these Easter invite cards that have been made up, printed up. And you'll find them distributed in different places around the, the campus. And so go ahead and grab some of those. It's a good way just to hand it and invite somebody to come to the Easter fellowship. And uh, so... It's at 10 o'clock. Just remember that. We've got one service. It's going to be at 10 o'clock, and it's going to be a family service. So we will have children's packets available for the little ones, but it's one hour long. They're, you know, they're going to sit with mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, and it's going to be a really fun, fun Easter celebration. We do need some help. We're going to be doing setup. Actually, on Saturday, we're going to set up um, at 9 o'clock on Saturday. If you'd like to be a part of that, just sign up uh, at the info center or on our website, and we will contact you just to confirm that you're on the roster to help set up. Again, that's going to be Saturday, this coming Saturday at 9 o'clock. And then clean up. You can either sign up to clean up, or you can just hang out a little bit right after service, and you can help us put away chairs and do all that good stuff. So if you want to be a part of that, that would be super helpful. All right. One of the things that we do at Harvest Church, we do this about three or four times a year, is we offer a program. We call it Growth Track. So what it is, it's for those who are new to Harvest Church, and it helps you get connected to uh, the believers here, the community here at Harvest Church. And so that Growth Track is going to be starting up. It's going to start up April 11th. And there's actually, it's going to involve four Sundays, Sunday morning. So it's going to start April 11th at, at 11 o'clock. It's going to be in the parsonage up the driveway. And again, it's, it's going to be four sessions, and you're going to get to know some other people. It's going to be super fun. But what you're going to learn about there is you're going to learn about a little bit of the history of Harvest Church. So like what makes us unique from other churches in our community? You're going to learn about our beliefs mission, vision, ministries, history, all that kind of stuff. And it's going to also help you to discover your spiritual gifts and find out, you know, where God would have you get plugged in, whether it be here at church or in your community. But it's going to be super fun. So be a part of that. You'll sign up uh, at the Info Center or online or church app, whatever you want to use. would love to have you be a part of that. We have coming up, it is a youth and kids choir. Okay, so the ages would be second grade through high school, all right? So we got a broad age group there. This is a youth and kids choir. So uh, if you are in that age demographic, we'd love to have you join this group. They're going to start their rehearsals. Um, let's see. Well, what I have here is the performance of the youth and kids group is going to choir is going to be the end of May. So there's going to be some rehearsals leading up to the end of May. And if you want to be a part of that, or maybe you've got kids that you'd like to be a part of that, 
just contact Leslie. Uh, she's our children's ministry director, and you can either go online and send an email to her, or if you know her, just talk to her here on campus, and that would be great as well. Okay, I'm, I'm, now I'm rereading my notes. Rehearsals will be on Sundays, 1020 to 1050, starting on April 18th. All right, so there you go. Love to have you be a part of that. So one last thing, you ready? Last announcement of the day. I'm sorry about that. Uh, so the fifth and sixth graders, they're doing a Passover Seder dinner, or it's for the fifth and sixth graders. So if you're a, if you're a student, fifth and sixth grader, or maybe you have a child that is, you don't want to miss this. So it's going to be done Sunday, April 11th. It's going to be from 3 till 6 p.m. in the loft, and it's going to be $5 to pay for all the good stuff. So I'd love to have you sign up, fifth and sixth graders, Passover Seder. If you don't know what a, a Seder is, um, Google it, and then you can figure out what is it. I would encourage you, if you've never been uh, to a Passover Seder, I would encourage you to do that. All right. So here at Harvest Church, we support missionaries locally and internationally. And it's a big priority of our church to be involved in sharing the gospel here and abroad. So one of the couples, I'm going to invite them up in just a moment, Mike and Sharon Dutra. The name of their ministry is Be Transformed. So what they've done is they created uh, books that go into the prison system, into the jails. So it's predominantly to those who are inmates, those who are incarcerated here and in other countries as well. So I'd like to invite Mike and Sharon to go ahead and come on up. This is Mike and Sharon right here. Let's give them a warm welcome. All right, so love these guys. So we've been, we've been involved in their ministry, supporting them for probably 10 years or so, long time. Less than that. But less than that, okay, but, but we still love you, even, yeah. even though it's been <laughs> less than that. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, here you go. Hola, hermanos y hermanas en Cristo. Soy Sarita y este es mi esposo Miguel. Somos... Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. That's the wrong language. Oh, that's, oh. that's next Discúlpame. week. Discúlpame. Un momentito. <laughs> Forgive my beautiful Irish-German señora. I don't want to see señorita. That's, she's not married, but she is. Yeah, and I don't speak Spanish. She does, thankfully. Um, let's start out with our ministry update and get back on track. Um, we are entering our 10th year as Be Transformed Ministry, and it's only because of God's amazing grace and spirit that he has allowed us to do what we're doing and open the doors for all this to happen. To date, we have sent out over 20,000 free books. Last year, we sent out just over 6,000, which is he keeps accelerating every year. Um, we sent books to prisons, jails, rehabs, and other countries. Our books are now in over 100 U.S. institutions. It's not about the numbers of books, but all about the souls brought closer to Jesus that matters the most to us, and it also matters the most to him. For example, here's a letter from Matthew, a New Mexico inmate. Hello, Sharon. I was recently transferred to a new facility, but in the Santa Fe prison, I just came from the 60 Men Bible Study, where they are still using all three of your books. In fact, they use your new beginnings book as curriculum in their Armor of God study. I have been using your books now for a few years to teach from, and I just love everything about them, and so does everyone else. 
The guys always tell me how easy your books are to understand and how well they explain how to apply the word to our daily lives. In the new facility I'm in, we have a lot of new believers, probably the largest in any facility. I would like to be able to introduce your books to the congregation here. After the outcome of the Santa Fe facility, I know in my heart that the guys would be blessed to have the opportunity to share your books. Every facility I end up going to, I feel that God has placed me there to be a fisher of men. And in order for me to do so, I share your book and teach God's word with it and from it. You have been a blessing to so many of my brothers here. God bless you, Matthew. Uh, next week, we are going on our first ever Be Transformed ministry mission trip to Mexico. woo We will be speaking at, yeah, it's like, whoa. <laughs> we, will be, we, will, we will be speaking at three rehabilitation centers, a church, and we will be meeting with three new ministries, one of them is really large, and giving them many more books to distribute throughout Mexico. We already have over 1,100 Spanish books in Mexico, and we are taking more than 200 books with us in our poor Prius. The books are already being used in Tijuana, Rosarita Beach, Mexico City, and they are being used in the southernmost state of Chiapas, and more cases of our books will soon be sent there. Chiapas only has a 3% population of Christians, and it's a restricted area, region, according to the Voice of the Martyrs. There is a strong Marxist and atheist presence there, so pray for the state of Chiapas. Tijuana is pronounced Tijuana. Oh. (laughs) We have 400 books being used in Nigeria. 500 of our books and 250 Bibles were shipped to Ghana. 60 books are being used in Uganda, and also South Africa has been using our books for over two and a half years, and we just shipped 70 more books to them. This is a note, one of many, from one of the pastors in South Africa named Pastor Nizamande. He says, I have pastored in these valleys for many years, and it's hard to uproot the Zulu tribes from their cultural beliefs. To try to explain the subject of faith or one God only is close to impossible. The New Beginnings book has simplified some basic Christian truths that I teach with ease now, and confidence, because I also understand it better. I appreciate the book and will teach and teach until the Lord is glorified in my village. Amen. You didn't say that. <laughs> I always forget this part. Remember that in prisons and foreign countries, books will often be shared many, many times. So if you think about it, how impactful can one book be? Yeah, our books have been used in a lot of churches. It started out as kind of us sending them to prisons, but now it's expanded into many, many different churches too. Um, we are now partnering. Exciting news! This is just last week. We're partnering with a new Life Ministries in Japan. They are going to print and store two thousand of our books in the next couple of weeks, and we'll distribute our Japanese New Beginnings books for free to prisoners. And they are also going to advertise our book. So Christians and churches can purchase them in Japan. Japan, again, is less than 1% Christian. They're totally unreached, pretty much. And by God's mighty grace, 
Our books are now being used in eight countries and have been translated into four different languages. So if you'd like more information about our Facebook page, our web address, and ways to give, uh, we have a table just outside of the loft at the end of the service. Oh. No, no, no recuerdo. A loco cabeza. We've also had over 20,000 downloads of our New Beginnings eBooks into Iran. Via the first, I know, right? Awesome. That is actually one of the fastest growing underground churches in the world right now. And they get all of their feed from satellite because they're not allowed to have physical material there or else they can be uh, tortured or killed or other things. Uh, so anyway, back to the story. Um, oh, so if you, can't, if you don't do Facebook, we've got some ministry update uh, sheets on the... Okay, <laughs> She's blowing it this time. Okay. We would not have been able to do any of this work without your continued <laughs> prayers and support. Hey, she's blonde. Give her a break. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Please consider partnering with us to continue this growing ministry to share the gospel message. We receive so much feedback, feedback letters, emails about changed lives. We don't receive any pay from the ministry, and we are under a 501c3 for your tax-deductible donations. Will you consider helping us continue to reach more people for Christ? Now you're in. We are going to have a table by the loft. <laughs> He's right. I missed all that. So there are a lot of additional stories and pictures on our Facebook page. For those of you who don't do Facebook, we've got a ministry update sheet on the table, and we've also got a sign-up sheet if you'd like to receive a quarterly newsletter. And um, it, we also have some outreach brochures. If you'd like to take some, you can leave them as tips. You can leave them on a bench anywhere um, to reach people for Jesus. We really want to thank you so much for your love and your support and your prayers. We appreciate you more than you know. Thank, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. So, Mikey, come on back up here. I'm going to pray for you guys. So they actually get along quite well norm, norm, normally. So go ahead. Stand up here, Mike, please. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like Sharon mentioned, they do have a table set up if you want to meet them look at their material, support them anyway, feel free to do so. Let's pray for them, okay? Lord, we just lift up Mike and Sharon to you. Lord, thank you that uh, they, they've just committed themselves to help lead others to you and, and to disciple believers, and especially those who are incarcerated, who are um, in positions where they might not have a lot of purpose or future in their mind. But Lord, thank you that you give them hope. So, Lord, we pray that you'd open many, many more doors for Mike and Sharon's material. Thank you that you've given them the ability to, to basically write this, these books and, and disciple people and, and have your word uh, go forth through, their, through the documents they've created. So, Lord, bless these two. Um, bless their marriage. Lord, lead them to a good marriage counselor, we pray. Uh, Lord, we love them. We, we, we just love them. Lord, thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. That, 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 I'm, hi. That last part was a joke. <laughs> hey, one thing I forgot to mention earlier. I'm going to add another announcement. 
uh, today's Family Sunday, which basically means kids are in with, with parents. Uh, if your kids are below first grade, we've got some room up them up there for them. Uh, we're going to have Passover. Passover. We're, <laughs> Steve, help me. We're, we're going to have communion. Thank you. We're going to have communion this morning. But best of all, we have donuts today. All right? So if you didn't get your donut yet, they're up in the near the info center. I, I saw all I got for you. Here you go, Jim. Yeah, let's stand and worship, yeah? <laughs>
us up. Thank you for resurrecting us, our hearts, for saving us. to him this morning.
Amazing grace, one more time. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Once blind. to see you more clearly today. God, we want to know you. We want to know the depths of your heart. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear today. presence. Just open your hearts to him. If you even want to open your hands to just kind of receive anything he wants to pour down this morning, just put yourself in that mode of receiving just from him.
Can't fall on the cross. 
thanking today for the, the celebration, for the opportunity to gather as friends, as brothers and sisters in the Lord. We pray, God, that you would continue to move powerfully in our midst, Lord God, that we, we would be surprised at what you do. And maybe we're already surprised at what you've done, Lord God. I pray that for every person here, all over the campus, watching online and wherever, Lord God, we just pray that you would minister powerfully in Jesus' name, that lives would be changed and transformed. Thank you for, this, for your grace and for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Amen. Amen. I was at a wedding yesterday, and um, man, it was a, this amazing celebration of this couple. They've been dating for eight years now since high school, and Ronan and Bree are now happily married, or they're married anyway, I assume they're happily married. And uh, it's only been less than 24 hours, so I, I bet. No, it's, it's my belief, and I told him this, I said, it actually can get better and better, marriage can get better and better and better as you go along. And uh, so we talked a lot about that. So we're celebrating um, Palm Sunday today, and uh, it was much like the celebration of the wedding yesterday. There was just so much excitement anticipation, so much going on. And as Jesus gets ready to enter Jerusalem for the final time, he is met with adoration. People are laying out their garments on the road, uh, putting palm branches down, hence the term Palm Sunday. And uh, uh, this is his triumphant entry where he's coming into Jerusalem for the final time. It's Sunday, but Friday's coming. Good Friday is when Jesus would go to the cross he would die for our sins, and it's called good because apart from that good work of Christ on the cross, we have no hope. We have absolutely no hope. So because God is good, we have hope in Jesus. And so this is kind of how things unfolded. I'll read it, but as he comes in, Jesus immediately begins to take care of business, driving out the money changers, confronting the religious leaders, speaking parables, directing people. This is, what I've, what I, this is what I know about Jesus. You encounter him, and either you're put off by him, or you're kind of don't care, kind of neutral, or you decide to fall in love with him. That's really the three responses. And we see that in, represented in Jesus' life and ministry as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11 says this, They came to the town of Bethphage. On the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. See, Jesus knew exactly what he was walking into. He knew the plan of the Father, and he was willingly ready to walk into it. And so he knew what to expect, and he knew what to prepare his followers for. He said, if anyone asks what you are doing, just say the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. That's always a good idea, by the way. Do what Jesus asks you to do, and things will work out. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. This is the right response to Jesus, by the way. This is the life giving response to Jesus. Like, Lord, I will give you everything, including my garments. 
I will lay them at your feet. I will bow down before you. I will celebrate you and who you are. This is what they were doing. Jesus was in the center of the procession, verse 9 says, and the people all around him were shouting. They're shouting praise God now, but just in a moment. In in a short amount of time, they're going to be shouting, crucify him. Crucify him. But right now, they're saying praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. I wonder if we do the same thing. In one breath, we're praising him, and the, the next, we're conflicted, and we're confused by him, and even angry at him. Jesus knew the condition of man's heart going into this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knew that at moments of our life, we're doubtful and angry and without faith. But then other moments when we're believing him and trusting him, we're saying, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. We can get to a place in our life as followers of Jesus Christ where our faith level is so high that we're always saying this, that we no longer say, Lord, why? Or God, I'm angry. Or God, I don't understand. We can say those things, but, but with this faith is confidence saying, Lord, I don't understand, but I know you do. Lord, I, I don't know why this is happening, but I, I know that you do. I, I, don't, I, I can't figure this one out, Lord, but I know that you've got it figured out. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. He's the reason that we gather. He's the reason that the whole world gathers for Easter next week on April 4th. He's the reason, and maybe if you're not in the church or have never heard of this person, Jesus, the, the curiosity um, of the world is, who is this Jesus, and why are we celebrating him? Why do people gather to celebrate his resurrection? Why do people gather to celebrate his birth? Why do people gather to celebrate him at all? It's our job as believers, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, to give them the answer. And when Jesus radically changes our lives, we're happy to do so. We're happy to do so. I've titled the message today, Faith in Jesus Changes Everything. Faith in Jesus changes everything, unless, of course, your faith in Jesus hasn't changed anything. Where are you today? Where's your faith today? How's your walk with Jesus today? Do you know him? Do you follow him? Do you trust him? Because as we can see from the scripture and from hopefully from our own experience, our faith in Jesus is meant to radically shape us and change everything about the, 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 way, who, the way we are, the way we function, the way we talk, the way we, re, we react, the way we live. Paul, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1.5, and we've been studying through the book of 1 Timothy, this letter that Paul wrote to this young pastor in Ephesus, Paul writes this letter, this, this information, this anointed revelation to this young man so that uh, the people of God in that church might know how to live their lives. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1, 5, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers, and I'll add everywhere, that all believers everywhere would be filled with love that comes from a a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. These are things that are reachable. They're within our reach by God's grace because he's good, not because we are good. He's writing to give instruction so that all believers will be filled with love. I don't know about you, but I 
I love so much better now that I know Jesus than I did before. Before Jesus, I was pent up and pretty frustrated and pretty angry. And it, I, I, I found fault with just about everybody that I came in contact with. But since meeting Jesus, he has changed my heart. He has changed my life. And I still wrestle with those old ideas and thoughts and old man ways. But Jesus has filled my heart with such love that it's, it's hard to imagine how life was before. This is, this is God's design that he would fill us with his love, that we would experience his love, his unconditional love, and then out of that overflow, out of that abundance of revelation that we would share that same love with everybody in our path. This is the design, uh, the gospel's design is that we'd be filled with the love of God and then overflow and share that love with others, that we'd be filled with love that comes from a pure heart. Who purifies our heart? Who purifies our heart? Jesus purifies our heart. We were lost and broken and full of sin. And Jesus, he washes over us. He went to the cross. The, the Bible says the, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Jesus went to the cross to purify our fickleness, to purify us from our sin to make us pure of heart. He said the believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. How do, how do we have a clear conscience? We, let me just say this. We, we can have a clear conscience. It's actually possible for us to have a clear conscience. Some of us live our lives with guilty conscience 24-7. We don't know how to live in such a way that we get rid of that. First of all, the enemy's a liar, and he's going to want to heap guilt and condemnation upon your life 24-7. So you've got to recognize, what am I feeling? Is this from the enemy, or is this really guilt from the sin in my life? If it's guilt from the sin in your life, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the gospel. He loves you and wants to forgive your sin so that your conscience is clear. So then you just get up every morning and you just live for the glorious purposes of God. You live for God's glory and then your conscience is clear. When you sin, when you misstep, you just bring it to the Lord and say, God, I've sinned there. I don't want to sin there. I've misstepped. I don't want to misstep there. Would you forgive me? And your conscience can be clear in Jesus' name. Your conscience can be clear. And then genuine faith. How's your genuine faith? Sometimes we wrestle with love with a pure heart, with a clear conscience, because our faith is not genuine. It's not, it hasn't touched every area of our life. We kind of keep it in a box and we say, my faith is for Sunday morning, or my faith is for the Bible study, or my faith is for whatever it may be. But my faith isn't for um, my time with my buddies. That's not, for, that's not where my faith comes in. My faith isn't um, in my activities, my hobbies, my sports, that's my work, my school. That's not where my faith comes into play. And so we don't have a faith that saturates our whole life. And so we struggle with all these other things, with love, a pure heart, and a clear conscience. It's when we have a genuine faith. And I, don't, I think it's the only kind of real faith that we can have in Jesus. Because we either respond to him by deciding we're going to fall in love with him. Or we're just kind of irritated by him. Or we're just kind of neutral about him. And I just want to encourage you today to decide to fall in love with him. That will fix everything. Your, your, your love will be overflowing. You'll have a pure heart, a clear conscience, and then your faith will be genuine. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 through 14 through 16, as we wrap up this chapter, getting ready in preparation for Easter, for Resurrection Sunday. How many are going to be here for Easter next week? It's going to be really good. As, as we said, it's going to be up the driveway. We're putting out hundreds of chairs, and it's just going to be really, really 
fun. 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16, Paul said, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon. So that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. So what he says carries weight because this is the church of the living God. You are the church of the living God. Not this building, but you personally and us corporately. We're the church of the living God. We are God's workmanship, his masterpiece, his, his idea. He is the architect, and it is his plan that gathers us so that we might fellowship together, so that we might worship together, so that we might grow in grace together. It's his idea, it's his plan that we come together. He says that this is the church of the living God. So we don't gather for just any reason to celebrate just any idea or plan or to, um, to teach about just anything. We're gathered to teach about the living God, to worship the living God, to celebrate the living God. In, in case Paul wasn't able to be there in person, Paul loved the church. Paul loved to be with the church. He loved planting churches and ministering. So in case Paul wasn't able to be there in person, he wrote this letter to Timothy so that God's people would understand how to live and function. After all, this is the church of the living God. And so God has given us the Bible. He's given us instruction in the scripture so that we might understand how to live individually because individually we're the church and corporately we're the church. And so he's given us instruction. How do we live out our lives? What do we do? How do we make wise choices? How do we make wise decisions in this life? Well, Paul, through the unction, the uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit has given us instruction. He said, this is the church of the living God. Uh, this is God's church. And so things must be done God's way. This is why we do our best to teach through the scriptures so that we approach every topic and have understanding of everything that God asks us to do. Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, under God's spirit, giving instruction so the church would know how to properly express and represent the person of the lo loving and living God. He's, he's given us instruction. If you're ever wondering, how do I please God? Just open up the scripture and just begin to do what the scripture says. Just begin to pray into the scripture. Say, as you read it, just say, Lord, I don't know how to do this stuff. <laughs> a lot of it I don't even understand, but God, I want to. When your heart's right and open and available to the Lord, he will show you what you must do. And then Paul spells it out for us. He spells it out. He wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. These are the things. This is, this is the instruction uh, for the church. This is God's church, and so our aim is to honor God in the way we function, in the way that we worship, in the way that we live, the way that we teach, in the way that we lead. He is the architect. He's designed it. Have you ever looked at a set of plans? Every detail's covered, right? All of the details are in the plans, in the blueprints. The architect has made that happen. This is his design. I'm always perplexed. I'm always perplexed when people say that I, when they say, I love God, but I don't like his church. <laughs> This is like saying, I love God, I just don't love God's people. I, just, I love God, I just don't love God's plan. It's perplexing to me because the church is God's plan filled with God's people, people that he loves and people that we're supposed to love. 
And so I know that church can be hard sometimes, and we have difficulties in church and disagreements with people in church, and it's hard to get along sometimes. But this is still God's design. The church gathered together for corporate worship to build friendships and have fellowship and have community to come together and love each other and to challenge one another and to encourage one another. This is God's design. We're not meant to do life alone. I know a gal who, for the last, since COVID started, for over a year, she's never once come in contact with another person. She's been holed up in her home and never had a physical contact with anybody for the whole last 12 or 14 months. It's insanity. It's not how we are designed to live this is why I sent out a video, I think it came out yesterday, just inviting people to come back to church. Did anybody see that video yet? Just inviting people to come back to church saying, hey, it's time. It's time to get back to church. We need to, without fear, gather and without fear, uh, choose to be together as the body of Christ. And so it's my hope that the people of God, not just at Harvest Church, but on the Central Coast, and not just on the Central Coast, but in this state and in this country and in this world would begin to gather to shake off that fear and get back to church. It's God's idea, after all. Some people have threatened, if I come back to church, I'm so used to being in my pajamas, I may just show up in my pajamas. I said, if you want to show up in your pajamas, just show up in your pajamas. Just make sure it's appropriate pajamas. <laughs> so we may see people show up on Easter Sunday at 10 o'clock next week in their pajamas. Just be okay with it. It's okay. <laughs> this is the church, which is the pillar. The verse goes on and says in verse 16, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Why is the church the pillar and the foundation of the truth? Because we teach the truth. That's God's design for the church, that we would teach the church essentially becoming the pillar and the foundation. We teach God's word, which is the truth, and because we preach the truth, we're the pillar and the foundation of that truth. We have this responsibility to teach the word of God that, that people might understand the Bible and understand that the Bible is truth. And so the church declares and communicates and affirms the Bible's truth. So we teach and we champion this book, uh, the, the, the Bible, because it is properly the pillar and foundation. It is the truth. And we, as the church, as we declare it, not just corporately, but individually as well, as we believe it and champion the Bible and believe the Bible and live the Bible and proclaim the Bible, we are becoming the pillar and the foundation of the truth. If we cease if we cease to teach the whole counsel of God's word, we cease to be the pillar and the foundation of the truth. If we stop teaching the Bible, we cease to be the pillar and foundation of truth because the truth is the Bible. And so we teach the Bible. We have to understand as individuals and corporately that the Bible is God's truth. So we have to be careful to call sin, sin, and truth, truth. I didn't get saved because somebody danced around the topic of sin. Somebody told me that I'm a, they said, you're a sinner and you need Jesus. I said, I am? <laughs> I didn't know. But as I began to understand what sin is, I began to understand, that, yes, indeed, I, I am a sinner and I need Jesus. And it was because somebody spoke that message prof with profound clarity that I was awakened to my desperate need for Jesus. I had a desperate need for Jesus. And everyone who's ever come to faith in him with a genuine faith has realized the same thing. The wages of sin is death. 
spiritual deaths. It's, it's a death sentence. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have to, in our effort to be the pillar and the foundation of the truth, we have to proclaim the truth of the word of God, calling sin, sin, and truth, truth. I got saved because I realized I needed a savior. I was desperate for Jesus. Jesus, while I was yet a sinner, died for me and came into my life so that I might know him. And then transformation began to take place. And I'm still in the process. It's a lifelong process of transformation. It's it's called sanctification. How can people be confronted with their sin if we don't talk about sin? Verse 16 says, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. What's the mystery of our faith? It's, it's, it's curious, the whole gospel thing, isn't it? It's interesting and curious and perplexing to think about the gospel. The mystery of faith is the divinely revealed truth about grace, redemption, and forgiveness in Christ. It's the divinely revealed truth about grace, redemption, and forgiveness. Grace is given to us. Grace redeems us, and we're forgiven in Christ. There's one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. There's no other way to receive salvation other than to receive Jesus and to receive his sacrifice. The great mystery is that God loved the world and gave his Son to be the Savior the Savior of all who would profess profess that Jesus is Lord. He died for the whole world, for God so loved the world, the whole wide world, every one of us, that whosoever, nobody's left out of there, whosoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel. And this is the message that we carry as believers. We believe it ourselves initially, and then we share it. We become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as followers, we do what he did. He declared truth, proclaimed truth about the gospel, about his grace. Verse 16, again, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body. This is mind-blowing stuff here. Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, fully God, he gave up and put on being fully God and fully man. He took on the human condition without sin, not the sin condition, but took on the human uh, body and, and limitations of a human body. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. When the time was right in the history of mankind, Jesus put on flesh and was born to a young, poor couple born in a barn, a manger. In the lowliest of fashion, in the humblest of fashion, he was born. Philippians 2, 5 
through 8 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, though he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. And he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. The reason he was born is so that he could die. He was born to die for me and for you. The reason that you were born is so that you might know him and help others to know him. That's the reason you were born. If you ever wondered why you were born, you were born to know him and that you might help others to know him. That's boiled down. That's essentially what we're here to do as believers in Jesus Christ. So everything else is secondary and tertiary. Everything else is, is second to that, to that reality that we're, we're born to know Jesus and to help others know Jesus. Jesus was born to die so that we might know him and help others to know him. Verse 16 continues. He was vindicated by the Spirit. Jesus, he was vindicated by the Spirit. The Spirit rested upon Jesus at his baptism. Remember, in Luke 3, 21 through 22, it says, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. Jesus got baptized as a, a modeling baptism for us. And then he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't been baptized and you know Jesus, it's time to get baptized. We've got a baptism happening on Easter. So if you haven't been baptized and you know Jesus, there is no excuse for not being baptized. You say, well, it's going to mess up my hair. <laughs> for those of us who have hair, right? <laughs> it's going to mess up my clothes. I don't want to get wet in front of everybody. Jesus humbled himself. He modeled baptism for us, and then he was baptized. Baptism is a public declaration of, I'm a follower of Jesus. It's like the marriage yesterday they declared, Ronan and Bree declared in front of family and friends, in front of the whole world, in front of God, we love each other, we're committed to one another, we're gonna be married together till death do us part. That's what baptism is. We're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, I love Jesus, I'm, I wanna serve him all the days of my life. And this is my public declaration. If you haven't been baptized, you need to get baptized. It's time. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit, imagine the scene, the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. The Spirit rested upon him at his baptism, and then the Spirit raised him from the dead. We read about that in Romans 8, 11. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. The Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So you've got power in you, God's power in you. Listen, if there was any doubt about who Jesus was, and I promise you there was doubt swirling about Jesus, who is this guy that's coming into Jerusalem? Who is he? Why the celebration? Who is this guy? If there was any doubt, the Holy Spirit vindicated him and demonstrated his divinity. If you give God a chance, he will demonstrate to you his divinity, the realness of who he is. If you just open up a little bit, God will show himself faithful. He verse 16 continues, he was seen by angels. Angels have always participated in God's redemptive plan from the beginning 
After his resurrection, angels were present to roll away the stone and to give instruction to his followers. Angels are with us. There are angels in our presence even now. The Bible talks about guardian angels, angels that walk with us and protect us. There are angels in our midst, spiritual beings who are there to serve us and to help us serve God and to serve God's needs. And so we see angels throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. Angels are still real today. It was early on Sunday morning, Matthew 28, 1 through 6. As the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. I can't even imagine just the glory. But imagine if that's the glory of the angelic host. Imagine with me the glory of Jesus. Imagine with me the glory of the living king of kings. We will see him, and we will know him. Verse 5, then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I... I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Remember his triumphal entry? Go into Jerusalem, do this, this, and this. They did this, this, and this. Jesus knew. Jesus knew. They, the, the, the angelic host, God knows ahead of time what's going to happen. I know you're looking for Jesus. He was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said what happened. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. So angelic hosts were present. We're told in Philippians 2 that Jesus... His name is going to be elevated, and he's given this highest honor. It says, therefore, God elevated him, Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above, every, above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, this is our, this is our purpose, that we might know Jesus and declare Declare that he is Jesus Christ the Lord to glory, to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow. I wonder if there's an area in our life right now that we need to bow our knee to Jesus. Like I, maybe there's, you, you bowed to him in every other area, but there's just this one area. This one area, we'll call it of sin, of uh, maybe disagreement with God, an area where you just flat don't want to bow your knee. I just want to say that if you will, and bow your knee in that area. God will meet you in that place, and he will minister to you in that place. Often we don't do it because we're fearful. We're fearful of what God may ask or require of us. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. There shouldn't be anything in our lives as followers of Jesus. If we're followers of Jesus, there shouldn't be any area of our life where we're not, we're not willing to say, yes, Lord. We bow our knee to you. Yes, Lord. It says that in verse 16, he was announced to the nations, that Jesus was announced to the nations. In Colossians 1.23, Paul declared the good news, and I'll add about Jesus, the good news 
has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed by God to proclaim it. And since then, since the first century, the gospel has been proclaimed all over the world. Uh, just this morning, we heard about Mike and Sharon Dutra, who are they're ministering through their, their, their um, ministry tools to eight different nations right now, eight different countries. And people have, have worked to see the whole wide world evangelized. And that's why we send missionaries out. And that's why we're participating in the Great Commission, because we want to see the whole world come to know Jesus. Paul, Paul got it. He said, the good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed by God to proclaim it. Verse 16 continues. He was believed in throughout the whole world, throughout the world, and taken uh, to heaven in glory. So this message of Jesus Christ has been spread to the whole world, and now it's at our feet. Now it's in our hands. Now it's our responsibility for this generation, for this nation. It is our responsibility to proclaim the truth. Listen, you don't want to go to your grave having never led anybody to Jesus. You just don't want to do that. In fact, you want to go to your grave having led dozens of people to Jesus because those dozens of people will hopefully lead dozens of people, of, of people to Jesus. You want to make it your life goal to lead people to Jesus. The message of Christ has been spreading rapidly all over the globe since his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, and he will return. Are you guys ready for that? Are you really, though? Because he's, he's going to return ready to judge the living and the dead. He's coming back to judge our actions and the way that we lived our life. Are you ready for that? Because faith in Jesus is meant to change everything. So if there's areas of your life where your faith in Jesus hasn't changed you and hasn't changed your priorities and your perspective, then it's time to revisit your faith and say, God, I want my faith to be genuine through and through, like every part of my life reflecting who you are and what you've called me to do. Nothing held back, no fear, no worries, no doubts, just I'm all in with you. We, once a month on the fourth Sunday, Family Sunday, we celebrate communion, the Lord's table where we celebrate what Jesus did on the cross for us. It was 2,000 years ago, and people to this day are still celebrating all over the globe. The church of God is celebrating. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Did everybody get elements, by the way? If you did not get elements, then raise your hand, and we have people who will get you elements. So there we go. Jim in the middle here, you got, there we go. We'll give it a moment. Worship team, come on out. On the patio also, if you, if you didn't get your elements, uh, raise your hand and somebody will get those to you in the loft. Um, also there, so. If you're at home, on the fourth Sunday of every month, as I said, we take communion. So, Family Sunday, so if it's the fourth Sunday of the month and you're watching from home, just show up prepared to take communion, get a wafer, some juice, and be ready to take communion with us, and um, God will be glorified. It says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces. And said, this is my body, which is given for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and take the wafer. It's a little tricky to get to that wafer, right? There it is. Thank you, Jesus. And then if you've had, as you've had the wafer, go ahead and peel open the next level, and we'll get to the juice here. This is COVID communion right here. COVID communion. Here we go. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take the juice. Thank you, Lord. We're so grateful. We're so humbled, Lord, by your, your kindness. God, your, your birth. Your triumphant entry, your triumphal entry, Lord God, uh, we're so thankful for Good Friday where you died and for uh, Sunday, Easter Sunday, where you resurrected from the dead, Lord. We're so thankful. We love you, Jesus. I pray that if there's somebody here who needs you, that they would reach out to you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So believe in who he is. Welcome him into your life. Say, Jesus, I need you need you in my life. I need you to forgive me. I need you to love me. As you, with your whole heart, declare that truth, God comes into your life and he loves you, forgives you, and adopts you into his family. So don't wait to do that, to make that decision. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. As we get ready to worship some more, I pray that we worship in spirit and in truth. Be glorified, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up and worship some more.
you're the rock that we stand upon. Lord, we thank you that we can rest in you. We can trust in you. We put our hope in you. When everything else is shifting around us, God, you are steadfast and secure. So thank you for the hope that we have in you, Jesus. I pray that you would be with us this week. You would strengthen our hearts, God. Look forward to celebrating Easter together next week. Would you just keep everyone healthy and um, just prepare our hearts for just an awesome celebration next week. We love you, Lord. We give you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. So glad you joined us today. If there's anyone who would like some prayer this morning, we always have folks available. So just head on down toward the front. We would love to pray with you this morning. Otherwise, have a wonderful day. Pass the peace and love of Jesus around to each other. And we will see you on Easter Sunday, 10 a.m. up at the top of the hill right here. Have a great day.